Before we begin this evening, let's all bow in prayer. Almighty, most holy, most powerful, awesome God that thou art, Lord, thou knowest we have many assembled here in this place, all with coming from different perspectives, from different walks of life perhaps, and all representing different needs, but yet all the same need, and the need is to hear thee speak tonight. Touch our hearts, Father, with thy word. Be our teacher, we pray, this evening. Thou knowest the servant is weak. We just pray that thou wouldst put words upon his lips, that thou would be praised, glorified, and honored, for which thou alone art worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Without a doubt... Dear ones, the Holy Spirit has been at work at Eastern Camp 2013. It's been a beautiful week. We've had a wonderful theme on the banner to gather ourselves together around, to to talk about, to study, to sing about, to contemplate, and to hear powerful messages throughout the week on this most important topic, Who Am I? Brother Mark last night shared with us a burden that was on his heart, a burden that we, the church, fellow brothers and sisters, would not lose our confidence in knowing that who we are in Christ Jesus. I shared with him earlier today that the Lord had placed a similar burden, but yet message on my heart as well. And we see the thread running through this entire week thus far, do we not? And so we pray that tonight would be no different. With the help of the Lord, we'd like to talk about, again, this most important, most personal topic about who am I? The scripture I felt led to uh, to, for this evening's message is found also in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. This time, the second book, or second letter, chapter 13. So if we could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll read that together. From verse 1, this is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses there shall, shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time, and being absent now I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again I will not spare. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak but is mighty in you, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should 
appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong, and this is also, and this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you all. Greet one another with an holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Who am I? We've talked a lot this week about who I am, how God perceives who we are, who we are in the light of God. Who am I? Who do I think I am? If I really examine myself, if I really stop and pause for a moment and ask that very personal question, who am I? What will I find? Will it be comfortable? Will it be painful? Will it be messy? We need to ask ourselves that question. Our view of ourself that is our identity. When we ask that question, who am I, our identity, our view of ourself is determined wholly by what is at the center of our heart. The view of ourself is determined by really what is at the center of our life, what is at the center of our being. What makes us tick as people? What do we look for, for meaning in our lives, for significance, for worth? These are all questions that are answered by the question, who am I? I have two questions that I'd like to ask this evening that we each seriously examine, that we think about, that we open our heart to. The first what do you think about? What do you think about when you have nothing else to think about? Those times when you're not busy, when your mind's not preoccupied, when you're not out in, in the world of commerce or busy chasing children or doing what, what you do most often during the day, things slow down, calm down, and you have time to, time to do nothing. And where does your mind go at those moments? You see, if we answer that question honestly, we kind of get to what's at the center. Does it go to that new car that I want to buy? That new refrigerator that we're going to need? Does it go to some ambition that we have, some pastime, some pleasure event or the upcoming vacation? Or where does the mind go when we don't really have anything else to think about? Second question, what is so important to you, to me, 
that should we lose it, our life would be worthless. What is that one thing? You strip everything else away and boils right down to it. Should we lose it? Life would be worthless. That's a tough one. But I think we can start to consider by asking ourselves those questions, really what is at the center? I was really intrigued by this topic, and um, I did a little personal research. So I went to Amazon.com, and in their little search engine, I wanted to find out how many books are available for purchase uh, with the the topic or the theme, Identity in Christ. And that's what I put in, Identity in Christ. 84 books. I was astounded. There, There are 84 books that we could purchase that would be on this theme. So I altered my search question, the query a little bit, and instead I asked Amazon, um, identity, colon, who am I? 1,923 books. I only searched on books. Interesting. That tells me there's a lot of interest in this topic, who am I? It tells me that there's an awful lot of people who are buying books to try to explore that question. It also tells me there must be a little bit of an identity crisis out there going on in the world. And in fact, we know there is. There have been real, real studies done on this topic. Um, and uh, we, we find that uh, if we look at the identity of, let's say, our, our nation, as opposed to the identity of an individual. For a moment, we'll think about the identity of a nation. And it's been polled to ask people what they think about the identity of America. And um, somewhat to my surprise, uh, a predominance of people feel, and especially young people feel, that we have no identity, no common identity, meaning that we don't have a common belief or ethos in things like right of uh, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, uh, the rule of law, and things like that. There's a great divide happening in our nation. So what that's telling us is that we live in a culture that is having great difficulty identifying itself. And that has a trickle-down effect on us as individual citizens of this nation, does it not? And why is all of this? We have to ask ourselves that. The Truth Forum... Uh, If I heard the statistic correct, Brother Doug, I think you said that 9% of Americans espouse a true Christian worldview. Nine. And we certainly know that we live in a land where truth is, is, uh, is absolutely not absolute, anything but that. But we live in a country, in a land, in a culture where we create our own identity. There was a um, forum today on social media I was not able to attend, but I would venture to say that social media allows us to have multiple identities as individuals, all virtual. We can make them up as we go. What we decide to post and how we decide to communicate, how we decide to portray ourselves becomes our identity, and we can have a bunch of them if we like. So we live in a culture where there are multiple identities. We live in a culture where gender is now something that's chosen. 
It used to be that, well, you would wait for the baby to arrive. It would either be a boy or a girl, and you'd either paint the room blue or pink, and it was simple. We live in a world where we can choose a gender, and laws are being passed as we speak that are protecting the rights of transgender individuals. We live in a culture where we're redefining family, sadly. And we know that the majority of our children are born um, out of wedlock in uh, one-parent families. We know that there are multiple sexual orientation that's being promoted and allowed and even protected by law with same-sex marriage and things like that. And what about runaway biotechnology? Have you heard about designer babies? Well, that technology exists today where we can design the baby we want, basically. What does that all have to do with identity? It means that we're terribly, terribly confused as a people, and we live in a culture that's promoting that confusion, allowing it, condoning it, and even promoting it. It wasn't meant to be that confusing. In Genesis we read, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, Male and female created he them. Very simple, straightforward, easy to understand. Very foreign, however, in our culture. And so what does that all have to do with our identity, brothers and sisters? I'm afraid it has a lot to do because what happens in the greater community and the greater culture has has a way of infiltrating our very lives. I'm sorry to say that, but it does, if we're honest with ourselves, if we truly examine ourselves as we read here, it truly does. So we have to be on guard for issues of culture. We have to be aware and alert. And, and we have to ask ourselves the tough question, who am I? And we have to look right down in the very core of our being and find out what's at the center I think this scripture that we read tonight teaches us something about that. Perhaps not the original intent of the Apostle Paul, but if you'll allow me the indulgence of using this scripture, I think we can, we can derive from this scripture some important and practical ways that you and I can ask this question, who am I? The first, in the beginning of this chapter, The Apostle Paul speaks about judgment. Well, what does that have to do with our identity? Well, judgment implies that there is someone who exists that's outside of ourselves that's greater than ourselves. Now, we accept that. We we, we have embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Truly, we accept that notion. Not everybody does. And anyone within the sound of my voice this evening who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, I believe, has not done so because they do not accept that proposition that there is someone who exists outside of themselves as greater, to whom they will answer. 
to whom they are accountable. And so we first have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge who is at the center of our existence. And many times it's the big I. Many times it's us, ourselves. And if we've not yet embraced Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's that big I in the center of our existence for whom we live and all things revolve around is what's keeping us from accepting the Lord as our Savior. But if we have, and whether we've lived in the Lord for 40 years or four years or four months, we still need to examine because Jesus is at the center, yes, but is he sometimes getting edged out? Are we, is he sometimes having to share the center of our life with someone or something else? We have to ask ourselves that question. John wrote in 1 John that ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The good news is that the, he, the enemy of our soul, and the big I has been overcome, and we have victory through Jesus Christ. So first, to really answer that question, who am I, let's examine Let's look in the center and see who's there. Make sure that it's the Lord our God, our Jehovah Almighty, and no one or nothing else. Secondly, to truly know ourselves, or to truly know our identity, we need to know the one who is at the center of our life. We need to know Jesus Christ in a very personal way. We Last night, Brother Mark also referred to this scripture, and we talked a little bit about Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 3. And I'd like to repeat that because it's so cogent for knowing the Lord. Pick up at verse 9 in chapter 3, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So not only knowing who's at the center, who, that not only knowing that it is God who is at the center, Jesus Christ, but knowing him in a personal way. And that's a lifelong pursuit. If we don't know Jesus Christ better today than we did yesterday and certainly a year ago or the day that we turned our life over to him, then we're going the wrong direction. We're not growing. We heard a lot about that on Wednesday, did we not? And it's so incredibly important that we allow ourselves that lifelong pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ better by growing in the knowledge of him. And also that notion of coexisting, how we know somebody through experience. So that, that whole notion of knowing Christ through experiencing Christ daily and growing in that as well. And then we get to number three in this chapter, to truly know our identity, to be able to truly answer that question, who am I? 
Verse 5, examine yourselves. Now, when he wrote this to the Corinthians, we know that they were having many problems in that church. And there were many questions as to whether or not they were truly saved people there, many of whom. The word reprobate can, can mean counterfeit, for example. There were counterfeit Christians among them. There are those who would, would not measure up. It can also mean having failed to measure up. The, the very same principle applies to you and to me, brother and sister, that we do examine ourselves. That life that is not examined, someone once said, is not worth living. And I believe that. I believe we need to examine ourselves and look into our heart daily. And we're encouraged to do that in this chapter. And we're encouraged to do that this week at camp. And maybe learn a skill set about examining ourselves that we can take out of here and no longer take ourselves for granted, no longer take our identity for granted, no longer, no longer just sort of assume things about ourselves, but really examine ourselves and see that we're growing in Christ. My mind goes to what Jesus taught in his Sermon on the Mount about the, the moat and the beam. And really, if you think about, about it, what that's all about when Jesus said that, um, uh, why beholdest thou the moat that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? What he was really talking about there is, if we're examining ourselves, we're, we're going to be dealing with the beam, that big plank that's in our eye, and we're not going to be so worried about that little sliver that is in our brother's eye. And only after we sort of take care of that plank through self-examination will we then be able to better help in the spirit of love our brother if we happen to still see the slither that happens to be there. But Jesus is encouraging us, each one of us, to examine ourselves and that's, I believe, what this camp theme is all about, asking ourselves that question, who am I? And I don't know about you, but that's something I think I've just taken for granted for way too long. So we need to continually examine ourselves to make sure that it is Jesus Christ at the center of our life. The Apostle Paul also, in writing to the Corinthians here, said this, For we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. And the next, I think, very important concept to consider when we're talking about who am I and examining ourselves is the truth. Because we might look down there in the center and we might see something that isn't all that pleasing and we kind of have a way of rationalizing things and justifying things, and that's really obfuscating the truth, if you think about it. So, as painful as it might be, we might find some things that need to be changed, need to be addressed, and that really is all about the truth, opening ourselves up to the, the light of the truth, the mirror of God's Word. And really, after all, what that's all about is opening ourselves to Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And he also said that if we will know the truth, the truth will set us free. And so whatever baggage we might be carrying around, whatever, whatever things in our life that might be preventing us from fulfilling, having a fulfilled and, fu- and a fulfilling experience in Jesus Christ, we need to examine, we need to, in the light of God's word, and we need to address those things. So as we examine ourselves and open ourselves up, we need to then deal with the truth. And I also read here that in verse, um, verse 11, where he says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Something very important about our identity, I find, that our identity, my identity in Christ, as I said earlier, is wholly dependent upon what I worship, what's at the center. But also is dependent upon my fellow believers in Christ in experiencing my, my relationship with one another and fellowship as we experience our relationship with God. Because my identity is wrapped up in my communion with you. It truly is. That's how it works. One of the problems in our culture is what we will call radical individualism. Radical individualism. It's a trend. It's, 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 it's how the world is going. I don't need you. You don't need me. I'm perfectly fine. I'll fix it myself. I'll do it my own way. And that is so antithetical to the way God has ordained the way we should exist as his children. And so you see, my identity is really wrapped up in really how we commune with one another. And I think Apostle Paul really drives that point home here when he says, finally, brethren, speaking to the brethren together, he wants us to be, he wants us to have an identity that's together, a a co-identity in a sense, where we're pursuing throughout our lives as fellow believers this notion of being perfect, meaning being mature in Christ, experiencing our Christianity together, experiencing life together, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, being open and transparent with one another, challenging one another to grow, challenging one another to be edified and built up as a church. And our identity is wrapped up in that. Who we are is wrapped up in who we are collectively. And we, we, we spoke about this on, on Wednesday, but if you'll allow me, let's turn to Ephesians and, and look at that beautiful passage again because it just so, it so well describes this concept, I think, in chapter 4, um, Begin with uh, verse 12. uh, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry of the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that just hit about every point right there, that one phrase. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Wow. So that's what that means, to view our identity in the context of our communion one with another, that we can all grow up together in Christ, in our journey, until we breathe our last breath or until Jesus comes back and we are at home with him forever. But while we're here below, this is what we are to do, dear ones. So as we pursue our identity, we need to maybe break out of a shell. Maybe we need to uh, make an, more of an effort to communicate, not just, hey, how are you? Fine, thanks, goodbye. It's let's talk about what's going on in our lives. What are my challenges how can I pray for you? Here's how you can pray for me. These are the ways that we can grow together and edify one another in him. So to truly know our identities, I'm going to challenge us to really think about what's at the center of our being. What is at the heart of who we are? Where do we really get our significance? And where do we really get our sense of meaning as beings, as individuals? And we can only do that by examining ourselves, I believe, and really opening ourselves up to the Lord, opening our heart to him first, and, and consciously to ourselves and to, to one another. We sang a song the other night, and I'd like to read it right now because I think the words, they really convicted me, and I've, it's, a, it's a hymn I've always loved. Uh, but it takes new meaning to me now with this camp experience this year. It really does. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. You see, this piece takes a total yieldedness. To, if we truly want to ask the question, who am I, and, and really get to the right answer, to, 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 to open ourselves up to the question, the very penetrating question, who am I? We need to be yielded. The second verse is, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. In the last verse, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ always, only, always, 
living in me. It's a fantastic journey we're on. And maybe this is the first step of it. At Eastern Camp 2013, maybe you, like I, are gaining a really true appreciation for the question, who am I? And the need to truly examine myself thoroughly and daily to make sure that it's Jesus Christ, that when I have a moment to think about something, my, my thoughts can ascend to him or that can go out to you or in a way of how can I pray for someone who is in need. Or it can be any number of thoughts that are centered on who we are in Christ, not where I'm going to take my next vacation. And if I can truly do that, I think I I will know then the answer to that question most clearly. Who am I? Apostle Paul ended this beautiful chapter, this beautiful letter to the Corinthians by saying, greet one another with an holy kiss. And I love it. At camp, you know, and we haven't seen each other for a long time, a warm embrace, a solid handshake, and many times a, a kiss of love. And that's what it's all about. For those who truly, truly desire to answer the question, who am I? And really want to, to ask that question in a most sincere in personal way, I believe then we have what's recorded here in Second Corinthians 13, this beautiful benediction. We then have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the love of God with us, and we have the communion of the Holy Ghost. And may they all be with us daily. Amen.